Well, good morning. How are y'all today? Wes said there was a big crowd out here. I was like, whoa, don't scare me, bro. It's not that bad. Y'all doing okay? Welcome to Legacy. I'm Chris. Um, I'm one of the residents, church planning residents and, and pastor here at, at Legacy Church. And I just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us this morning. Um, if it is your first time here, glad to have you. If you would, real quick, if you've got your Bible or your device, if you could flip to or open up Revelation 2. Um, we're going to look at Revelation 2, uh, starting in verse 8. And um, really, before we, before we get started on that, I just want you to flip to that. If you, if you do have one of our visitor Bibles, it's on page 884, by the way. If you have one of these, one of these guys right here, if you got one of these, it's 884. Um, before we get started this morning, I just kind of want to expand on what Wes talked about in, in the the weirdness, you know, of, of the book of Revelation and, and what that looks like. I had, I had an interesting conversation with, I used to be a firefighter. I was a firefighter for eight years back in Midland, Texas. And um, I remember having a conversation in the firehouse concerning the book of Revelation with a guy. And we talked about the weirdness of the text and, and just, uh, you know, I mean, you've got seven-headed dragons and, and debutantes writing it and giving birth to countries. I mean, there's some there's some weird things going on in that text. I'd be the first to admit it. So we were having this conversation, and, and he said, the only reason Revelation is even in the, it only made it in by one book. And I went, well, of course it did. You know, it, the last book obviously always is going to make it in by one book, right? That's not, a, that's not a valid argument for why Revelation shouldn't be in the Bible. But anyway, it's just, it, it's so funny to me how we get, how we get lost in that, but we forget these seven letters that were written to the churches um, and, and, and written through Paul's pen and the word inspired by Jesus, and we forget that. And, and all, all we've been looking at thus far, if you've been out, is the first week, Wes gave us a really great introduction to the book and what it, what it says and, and what, what this time together is going to look like over the next few weeks. And last week, he gave us a word from the church in Ephesus. So it was, it was a great message. Um, Wes, Wes did a really good job with that text. But I just want just to take a minute to bring you up to speed and, and get to the, what we're going to be looking at today is fear. Um, Jesus, Jesus sends this word through, through John, and his main, his main call for us in this text is not to be afraid. Uh, the church in Smyrna is, is still there today. It's in modern-day Izmir in Turkey, and there's still a church there. The town is still there. It's obviously a lot larger. Um, but these people were facing major persecution by a ruler, and were being murdered and, and killed practically daily. So this was a letter to them. There's no, there's no rebuke. It's one of the few letters um, of the churches that, that did not have a rebuke. It has nothing but warnings and encouragements. So I just want just to look at that today. And, and while we get into the word fear, I just want to talk about the realness of fear. And who, who in here has been afraid before? All right, easy. Yes everybody answered that. But yeah, you've been afraid. We've all been afraid. Maybe we're afraid right now. Maybe, maybe we experience those people holding their hands up. Maybe there's, there, maybe there's uh, maybe you've experienced, you're experiencing fear. Maybe you're, you're, you're fearful of, fearful of something in the future happening. I mean, I, fear looks different for everyone, but at the heart of it and the root of it, it's still just a very nasty, nasty thing. And so <clears throat> I want to look at this letter to the church in Smyrna from Jesus telling, telling them not to fear. And all this letter is just to disarm you. All this letter is is a letter, is a letter from a father to his children, right? That's all this is. This is just a short letter from a father to his children and, and telling them, comforting them, 
um, explaining and encouraging what they're saved to, right? So this morning, I just want to look at that real quick. So if y'all, if y'all want to follow along with me, we're going to read. I'm going to stop and pause a few times in the text, but Revelation 2, verse 8 says, and it's on the screen, by the way, too. If you're not seeing that, the big, big white thing right there, it's right there. But um, <clears throat> it says, and to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the words of the first and the last who died and came to life. Now that, that in itself should lend a, lend a hand to, this was an inspired word of Jesus, right? This is, that, that is Jesus. That describes the words of the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, right? The beginning and the end, who died and came to life. The only person on this planet who's, who's, who's died and is living eternally um, with, 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 uh, with God, Jesus. And so we, <clears throat> we know this is who he's talking about himself. Verse 9 says, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Verse 10 is where, we're, where our main focus is. It says, do not fear. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Now, I don't know about y'all, but when I became a Christian, I didn't sign up to suffer. Nobody, nobody showed me the small print on the contract where it said I was going to have to do that, right? So, so this is really a warning to these people that they're already walking through suffering, and he's just he's letting them know and encouraging them and comforting them to not fear because you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for 10 days you will have tribulation. Um, this, this, part of this, this part of the text really did a major work in me because... Um, we have to remember, people, people forget this often. People forget that Satan once sat in the heavenly realm, right? Lucifer, Lucifer's a fallen angel. God created this angel that fell from, from heaven, right? And we forget that. And I'm not trying to, get, trying to be weird. I'm just saying that, that we, we forget that God is sovereign. God is in control, Sure, the devil, like I said a couple weeks ago, the devil is here to steal, kill, and destroy, to torment you, right? But we need to understand that nothing happens to us outside of it sifting through God's fingers first. Okay? Can we, can we all agree with that this morning? You may not agree with it, and that's okay. But, but that's what I want to convey to you this morning. And the 10 days part, for 10 days, this, this doesn't mean a literal 10 days. I think we have all can agree that we've experienced suffering longer than just 10 days. It might be a day. I mean, I, I watched my father-in-law suffer through cancer for five years, right? We know that suffering is not just 10 days. <clears throat> be faithful unto death. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. Again, an encouragement. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, listen. Listen for the Holy Spirit. He's encouraging them to listen for, his, listen for his word. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Pray with me real quick. God, thank you for, uh, thank you for your word. I thank you for books like Revelation, God, that you just you show your glory and your majesty, God, whether it's, whether it's in the weirdness of the text, and, and it sets us off as weird because we're not used to it, God. But I just pray that that hearts today, God, would be open to hear your word, um, that your, your Holy Spirit would move on hearts and lives, God, and that, that people in here would, would see you more clearly when they leave here, God, not because of anything I've said or, 
or done or, or any of the instruments or, or words that are saying today, God, but just the, the sheer fact that you're mighty and you're glorious. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so now the fun begins. We get to look at fear on a deeper, deeper level, okay? So let's talk about fear. What does fear, what does fear do? What does fear, what does fear accomplish in you? What, is it, what does it do to you? What does it make you? And what, what, I've, what I've kind of kind of found out through this, through this preparation is that, that fear turns us all into false prophets. And how that is is that because, because fear causes us, when we're afraid of something, the first thing we do, right, is we start dreaming up and cooking up the most apocalyptic thought in our mind about whatever we're afraid of. The worst possible scenario. Think about it, right? And then it's not even, it hasn't even happened yet, or it may not ever happen. But we cook this up in our brains of, of, of making us think the word. We just, we go to that. It's our nature. We're scared. And it I don't, doesn't matter what's scaring you. I'm telling you right now, it's happened. And you know it has. My, when, I was, when I was a kid, I was about 10 or 11 years old, we had a bully on our street. So everybody grew up with a bully? Nobody, just me. Okay, Paul, thank you. So this bully... This bully didn't do anything to me to make me think, like he never beat me to a pulp or anything like that. But for some reason, as a, as a kid, it's just silly, but I was scared to death of this guy for no reason. I don't know if it's because I didn't want him to like me or I was afraid he wouldn't like me. Don't know what it is, to be honest with you. But I remember <clears throat> constantly being so scared of this kid that I, that I created in my body, my body being so worried and anxious and just nervous, I created an ulcer. And I would go home sick from school. If I got to school, I was afraid I'd do something to make this guy mad at me. And then I'd make myself sick and I'd go home. I mean, it was crazy. It was out of control. I mean, I was a kid. But yes, it, it, fear caused me to create something in my body that was, that, was, that was hurting me. Right? And that's what fear does to us. It's toxic. It's nasty. I mean, fear, just to look at some real life examples, fear can make a woman stay in an abusive relationship, can it not? And some of you may have walked through that, and, and, I, and, I, and, I, and I'm sorry for that, but I'm just saying that, that some of us, we, we look at people all the time, we say, how can, how can this lady stay here, right? It's because it's fear. Maybe it's fear of being alone, maybe it's fear of, of, uh, of just what will happen if they do, but it's, but it's real, right? That fear is real. It can make, it can cause a man to dump his family and run. Just being afraid of maybe failure, maybe, um, maybe just not, not measuring up. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know at one point in my life, I was so afraid of, of, of what I was doing to my family and what I could do, and I was being selfish and all that too, but I was afraid and I ran. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's real. The, the, the fear is real. My dad, my dad um, he, was a, he was a veteran. He was in the Vietnam War in the Army. And he, uh, he would tell me growing up, he would tell me stories, not to, not to be weird, he wouldn't tell me like war stories of people getting shot or anything like that, but we, w- we would talk about this because as a child you like, to play, you like to play army, right? You like to run around, play Rambo in the backyard. So he would, he would engage me in some of these stories. And I remember one time t- him telling me, and it totally blew my mind at like, you know, however old I was, 11 or whatever. But it blew my mind that he'd said that, that some guys were so scared of what was going on that the... the that what was going on around them was so real and so frightening that they would intentionally injure themselves to get to be sent home, right? So 
the reality is, is fear will drive you to, to hurt yourself. Self-destruction. That's what it drives us to, is self-destruction. And, and I'm not saying that, I, I'm not standing up here saying that I'm never fearful of anything or, or nothing ever, you know, nothing ever happens with me or I don't get afraid, because I do. I was afraid to move here. My wife will, my wife will, um, can tell you all about it if you want to hear it. I was, I was afraid. I was scared. It, even, even, even though I had, I had the, you know, the, I had all the words from God I needed. I had all the affirmation of others. I had people telling me I would plant churches and I, then I would leave my other church and plant, plant a church with somebody from my other church and, and Luke being from my other church. I, I still didn't see it. I was still scared. And, and I would be lying if I didn't say, since we've been here for the past four months, I've had moments where I've been scared, right? I've been, I've been frightened. I've let fear creep into my mind and my heart and create the worst case scenario. What if it all blows up, Chris? What if, what if it all blows up in your face? It happens over and over and over again to us. It turns us, fear turns us into liars, right? Maybe if I, if I, if I just kind of white lie here, I won't get in trouble. Maybe if I, if I just, you know, smudge the truth a little bit, maybe, maybe nobody will know. Turns us into cheaters. Fear turns us into thieves. I mean, it just, it, it totally, it robs us of joy in life along the way. We're fearful, we're fearful of, of other things. And the, and the five warnings that, that, that Jesus gives us in the text, uh, we're fearful of these five things, and I just want to talk about them for a minute. Okay, and the, the first one is tribulation. He gives us the warning about we will have tribulation. And being, being hard to live in a city, right? Tribulation you can experience living here. It's, it, sometimes it's tough. Some of you live in, in neighborhoods that are tough. Some of you work in places that are tough. And as a Christian, you experience this tribulation. But at the root of it, we fear a hard knock life. Right? We, fear, we fear judgment. We always think somebody's out to get us. We fear persecution. Even though we probably, and I'm not trying to, you know, whisk anything away, but even though we, we probably have never experienced true persecution, we still fear it. We fear that people won't like us because of the way we are. The big one for me in here, and I probably should have saved this to the last, but I'm going to go, I'm gonna, it's going to be number two, is poverty. We fear poverty. Because being a Christian and a believer it's going to cost you jobs, right? Some of you might have already experienced this. It's going to cost you investments. It'll cost you business deals. Um, it causes us to, to fail at giving, and giving to the church. I mean, fear, fear of poverty causes major, major anxiety and worry in a lot of us. We fear losing it all. We fear our 401ks won't be big enough. They won't, they're not going to make it. Till we, till, we, till we pass away. The 401k won't be there. If we hoard, right, if we hoard all our treasure, Jack Sparrow won't come get it. Right? Pirates of the Caribbean. Anybody? Movie? Okay, good. But, that's my Jack Sparrow line. It didn't work. Uh, we, we, there you go. We, we, we hoard it. We hoard this treasure as if it was ours in the first place. It's not ours. Everything he gives us is, it, he gives us is from him. It's not ours, none of it, any of it. We're so, we're, I mean, we're just, we're so silly. I'm so silly when it, comes to, when it comes to these things. It's just, it makes me giggle, you know, to think about it, how silly I am. What about, what about slander? 
your reputation. Anybody, anybody here like me hold your reputation really high? I hold my reputation really high. I don't want anybody to think bad and poorly of me. But you, don't, you know, right? You're, you, you realize that as you walk out your Christian life today, there is somebody that is probably talking behind your back because of what you believe in. There's somebody that does not agree with you and is probably slandering your reputation right now as you sit in here. It's real. But, but the point is, is your name great or is his name great? Right? What's the goal? To make your name great or his? And then the big, the big S word. No one likes to talk about the S word, right? Suffering. Nobody likes to talk about suffering. It's probably the most debated word in all the Bible, I think. I've had so many debates on suffering, it's, it's just out of control. But, but suffering, without a doubt, suffering's coming. I mean, us, us being here and not with God is suffering. We're suffering right now, and we suffer every day, whether it's physical suffering or emotional suffering or just any suffering. It's going to happen. I could, I could list out 100 of them, 100 different ways to suffer, but I mean, you probably, we don't have all day, so I won't. <clears throat> what about death? Physical death. Anybody in here scared to die? <laughs> scared to die. We got a few. You know, I mean, I, I get it. I understand. The, 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 the second question, though, to that is, do you know where you're going to spend eternity? Is your fate secure today? If you walked out right now, because everybody's life in here could change with a phone call, right? There's no certainty that we'll make it home. You know, there's no certainty that, that we wake up in the morning, right? So we need, to, we need to ask ourselves that question today. Are we secure in our fate and where we'll spend eternity? Because we all die. Spouses will die. Children will die. Siblings will die. Parents, grandparents, teachers, preachers, people that work at Costco, everybody. Nobody's, no, that's, that's the one thing you can't escape in this life death. We need to remember that. But what I really want to focus on is, is not, not our death, but the death that occurred on the cross, the death that happened for you and for me. And what Jesus did because he wasn't afraid. Because God is a God that has experienced tribulation, right? Experienced tribulation. He came here and put human skin on. That's the first step. Poverty. He experienced poverty. What about experiences of uh, slander? I mean, there's people today still slandering the name of Christ. He's still experiencing, and he's not even here. Or he's, I mean, he's with us, but he's, you know, he's, not, he's not on this planet. He ultimately suffered. And I, I don't want to uh, downplay the brutality of his death because it was horrid and horrific and brutal. But we all know that story. What I want to focus on is the suffering that he experienced emotionally. Right? The, the weight of our sin and the weight of our guilt on the cross. He experienced suffering to where we can't, we can't even imagine. It's that suffering that I want you to focus on. The suffering for your sins and mine. And then ultimately death. But what did he do? He didn't, I mean, he didn't stay dead, right? He rose again three days later, and he came back, right, to, to, to visit his disciples and, 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 and show us all that that's the, uh, 
It's the most, most miraculous thing in the Bible, that he came back to life after three days. He understands us. I mean, it's all over Scripture. He gets it. He, his, his life, he was constantly trying to relate to us and show us who he was and who he is and reveal his father to us. That's, all, that's what he did. The whole time he was here, it's 33 years. One of the, one of the, uh, the most common used phrases in the Bible I want to talk about is fear not. Does everybody know those verses? You should. I mean, it's about 100, 150 times in the Bible. It says, fear not. From God, fear not. So do not fear, but I'm talking about fear not. <clears throat> I was a, like I said at the beginning, I was a firefighter for eight years. And your, your training, they tell you, they tell you to, um, if you go into a house fire and you're on search and rescue, your mission, obviously, is to look for people, right? Because you don't know. There could be kids, children, or uh, uh, adults, uh, dogs, whatever. So you're, 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 you look for life. We risk a lot to save a, to save a life and a little to save nothing, right? And so they would, we would go in these houses to do search and rescue, and we would, we would crawl around on the floor, and, and you're experiencing this fire. Now, I've got pr- protective gear on and a mask and such, but you have to understand a residential house fire burns at about 1,800 degrees Fahrenheit. That's pretty hot, okay? So you can only imagine what one would experience in a situation like this. I mean, you're, the heat is unbearable, right? The air in the, in the room is so hot that it melts your lungs. That's how hot it is. The smoke disorients you so bad that you don't even know your own house. Think about that. You think, oh, I can walk around my house with the lights off. The smoke is so thick and so dense and everything, you're all firing on all cylinders. You're so disoriented you cannot find your way out. Much like sin. Much like fear. And so they would tell us when we found somebody, your goal is, if you go in and you find a person in this situation, you try to get them out as quick as possible. Easiest, easiest exit. Drag them out. Whatever you got to do. I mean, we've seen video of people chunking people out the window, right? I mean, that's, that's a firefighter's goal is to save life, right? Um, and ultimately, if you can't get out, to do whatever you can to comfort that person, to, to make that person feel safe and secure while you're probably going ballistic on the inside to make them feel safe. So imagine, imagine you're in that situation right now. You're in, you're in that situation. You're in that room. The air is hot. The smoke is confusing. You have, you have no idea what, what any, what, what's going on. You just want out. You just, you want out. And then you see a light coming towards you, right? See this light and you're thinking, oh, what is this? Is this help? And you hear somebody they're there to help you. This fireman walks up to you and he says, fear not. And then he leaves. That, did that settle? I mean, does that, that make you feel safe? Right? He just says, fear not, and then he walks away. There's a second part to that. It's fear not, for I am with you. And that's what, that's what God, that's what God does with us. He doesn't catch us or, or catch us. He doesn't find us in our sin and just tell you fear not or, or find you in the middle of fear and being afraid of something and say fear not and leave. He says, for I am with you. He stays with you. He does, he does what he can to get you out of that fear, to drive, to drive you to to his son and the cross. But I'm, I'm telling you, and I'm guilty of this, we miss it. We miss that every, we miss it every single day. We're fearful of something and we miss it. We miss the, we miss the fact that our, that our Savior rescues us, that we have a Savior that came to rescue us. 
and we miss it. We do miss it, but we have something better to set our affections on. When looking at these five things, that the five warnings that God gives us, we have something, and that's what we're saved to. Because we're, we're saved when we're, when we're believers in Christ. We're saved, our hearts, our hearts begin to see things differently, right? Struggles become victories. We triumph over tribulation, right? Poverty. It's not about, it's not about wealth on this planet. It's about spiritual wealth that he, he freely gives us. That's what it's about. We have the riches of every spiritual blessings. <clears throat> in Ephesians, a blessing. In Ephesians, Ephesians 1, I don't know if we have it, but Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Notice it doesn't say earthly places, right? heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, in love. He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ. Adoption. Some of you in here are adopted, right? I had a, I had a meeting the other day with, with one of our elders, Kevin, and he walked me through this, and it was beautiful. And that's where I, I ripped this off from Kevin. Kevin, I'm sorry. I ripped this off from you. But he adopted us. Some of you, some of you are adopted. Some of you have been adopted. I'm talking about into, into you know, your, your earth or your family. Some of you have adopted children. And you need to understand, those children have done, have done nothing to be adopted into your family. They've done nothing. They're adopted. Our adoption is free. slander. We have something way, way better than a good reputation, right? We have the reputation of Christ. We're buried in his image, buried in his image. We're created in his image. It's all over the Bible. It starts in Genesis 1 where we're created in his image. Sufferings. I know as a Christian, it will, be, it will be difficult. You will suffer. Emotionally, you'll suffer, but we have to try to endure what he endured. We won't because, I mean, we've, we haven't experienced, we, won't, we, we experience temptation every day. And yes, we fail every day, but understand he didn't. And that's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on the fact that, that Jesus was tempted to the point of sweating blood. I don't know about y'all, but I've never been I've never been able to make it and resist temptation to that point. And that's the beauty of Jesus. Is that he, 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 he bled not only for you, but he bled way before that when he was resisting temptation. And ultimately death. Because to live as Christ, to die is gain no matter the price. We belong to God. We're his. We're adopted into the family. There is no second death. We will, we will not die Satan's death. And understand today, I'm taught, if, you're, if you're a believer, and by believer, I want to explain that, and I'm not trying to be elementary, I'm just saying, if you're a believer, so if you believe that Jesus came to this earth, 
lived a perfect life, died, was crucified on a cross, and rose again three days later for your sins. If you believe that today, you're a believer. And I want to talk to you for a second and let you know, as a believer today, this is as close to hell as you're ever going to get. And it may be comforting to you, it may not be. But if you're not a believer, I'm talking to you today, if you're, if you're in here and you reject that belief, if you, don't, if you don't believe that he died for your sins and he rose again, if, you, if, you're, if you're looking at me and saying everything I'm, everything I'm talking about is false and you're just rejecting the gospel of God and the grace of Jesus, understand this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. And, and I can assure you that, that I don't want to see that happen. But we need to understand that that God, yes, he died on a cross, but he rose again, and he did that for you, and he did that for me. And we did nothing to deserve it. We've done nothing to deserve it. That's what the beauty is of, of communion. The beauty, the beauty of communion is to come together, and we have it available at the back um, during worship in a second. You know, you, you'll have the ability to take that. And, and communion is that is that, that time that we reflect on our hearts and our souls and what Jesus truly accomplished for us on the cross, what he truly did, what that meant. And if you don't know what that, what that looks like or what that's about, we'll have, I mean, Kevin and, Kevin and Rebecca can be at the back to pray with you. There'll be others in the back. Wes, be back there to pray for you. And I would just ask that you would today, you know, if you don't know Jesus, to take Christ today. Take him. And then if you do, reflect on the cross and reflect on what he's done. And we started, I started today, I started today with a letter from a father to his children. That's all that was. That's all Revelation 2, 8 is, is a letter from a father to his children. So, so I wanted to end with a letter, if that's okay, from a father to his children, or his child, actually. Um, it's my... It's my daughter's 13th birthday tomorrow. So I officially have a teenager tomorrow. Yay! Woo! So, so I'll ask you before I end to pray for me and my wife. She's a great girl. But I wanted to end with a letter to her. A letter from a father to his daughter. Because that's, that's what Jesus, that's what this book is. That's what the Bible is. It's letters from a father to his children. My daughter's name is Michaela, and I'm going to try to make it through this without crying, okay? I didn't make it through yesterday without crying, so bear with me. <clears throat> Your name means like God. You are created in His image. Like God, you love people, and you love Jesus. As a faithful servant, Jesus knows your tribulation and the poverty you will face. Do not fear. He understands the slander that will come of your name. But do not fear. He says this, do not fear. Do not fear suffering. You will be tempted and tested. Be faithful no matter what until death and he will give you the crown of life. Always be listening for the Holy Spirit and what he says to you and the ones you do life with. The one who conquers 
will not be hurt by the second death. Love, Dad. Is that, is that Jesus? It's Jesus to us, right? It's all it is. It's a letter. It's just letters, just words, it's warnings, it's love, it's rebuke. But just wanted to share that with you today. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray us out real quick, if that's okay. <clears throat> God, thank you. Thank you for your son, God. Thank you for, for giving up your son. Because it shows us, God, just how much you care and love us. And what we're saved to, God. We're saved to something so great. We're saved into your kingdom, God. We're adopted sons and daughters into your kingdom. There's nothing greater on earth than that. God, and we thank you every day just for the love the grace and mercy you show us even when we reject you God even when we're fearful of things we thank you that you come and you rescue us in our moment of of despair in our dire need God you show up and you pull us out of that burning building you pull us out of that fiery inferno God whatever whatever that looks like for different people in here I want them to know today the biggest thing is that we're comforter God you're our comforter you're our peace you're our understanding God we the Holy Spirit is so powerful God and we thank you that you give him to us God and I pray that he moves today in lives and hearts and those in here that do know you God I pray that they they would repent God if they they're fearful of things God if they're if they're suffering if they're walking through something God just have them I pray that they would focus on you and your son and your cross God, and if there are those today that don't know you, I pray that they have the strength. You just empower them with the strength and the courage to step out and reach out to you, God, to call out to you and cry out to you, God, just, just in this moment. I thank, you for, I thank you for my friends here today, God. And I just ask that you would just bless them richly. In your name we pray. Amen.